0: Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. My name's Emma and today we're pleased to introduce a slightly more left-field guest to the podcast, if you'll pardon the pun. So, the question I'm asking today is, what has football and DAM got in common? Danny Karbassian, that's who. Danny may now be co-founder of the DAM consulting service Stacks, but his background is firmly rooted in football. And somehow, the sporting and DAM world cross over nicely, with there being plenty of need in sport for the speedy organisation that digital asset managers bring to the table. Growing up playing soccer in the US, Danny moved to the UK at 17 when he was signed for Arsenal. Following this time, Danny began his foray into startups, the first focusing on user-generated football content and then moving on to create a fantasy football mobile game. Next came the opportunity to join Stacks a Down consultancy service set up by two friends who had recognized the need for organizing other people's image libraries danny's journey into the tech world of dam might be unusual but we were interested in his opinions on imagery in sport and just how important it is to generate great content quickly and more importantly share it online for media and fans So welcome to the podcast, Danny.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's very exciting to have you here. I've never interviewed an ex-premiership footballer, (laughs) (laughs) especially on a digital podcast. So it's very exciting to have you with us. I mentioned in the introduction that your path obviously took you away from the football bit to the techie world of digital asset management. So I'm guessing this world is slightly less glamorous on the SaaS side of things, or are you still quaffing champagne every night?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think I was... drinking champagne on a nightly basis even when I was playing football but yeah I know I know I think think at times I think at times the press makes it out as if a lot of footballers are just a bunch of party animals but it's definitely a very disciplined world there are obviously some people that like to go out and enjoy themselves probably a little bit more than clubs would like them to but yeah I'd like to think I'm you know I I celebrate wins in a different way now when we get new clients and are doing new challenges I think so still celebrating (laughs) just for different reasons
0: my friend Steve is a massive Arsenal fan I showed him a picture of you and and he knew you straight away and yeah it, i was so impressed because it you know it's quite a while back that you were playing for Arsenal. yeah oh, i'm like, not
1: that far back come on now i'm not that old
0: <laughs> he was like yep that's danny kawassi or he called you daniel yeah. so I don't know whether you used your your full title then
1: yeah yeah no so that, that's cool i guess i'm very niche i mean there's not many americans that have played for the club and then if you go even further and like my mom is italian and my dad's iranian so mm-hmm. iranians will claim me as being like the first iranian to play for the club and then obviously ah. the americans claim the first american so yeah a bit of a mix
0: <laughs> are you the first american to play for Arsenal? sorry then?
1: second american to play for oh. arsenal I was the first american to score uh, and i think there's been three of us total now to play for arsenal which oh, is uh, which is pretty cool
0: is football massively different to soccer
1: no it's the exact same thing it's the exact uh, same thing I-
0: you just call it the wrong word
1: well, okay, this is this is the thing. I I live in London, uh, and I can't win. Like if I if I tell people when people say, "Oh, what are you doing here as an American?" I say, "I used to play football here." They say, "My football or your football," and then I say, "Well, I said football, so I blend into the you know the culture here." And then if I say soccer, they mean you mean football. <laughs> And it's actually you, the, the English created the word soccer and then they make fun of us for actually using it. So Did we? Yeah, it's, it's y'all's word. I
0: oh, know. <laughs> See, I love that. That's the perfect comeback because like, well, you, yeah. you actually developed this word, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So as co-founder of Stax, you're on a similar mission to us at Bright, helping others locate their digital assets and files seamlessly. So tell us a bit about your current role.
1: Yeah. So my entry into DAM was very, very unorthodox. Two of my really good friends that I've known since I was about three or four years old are incredible, kind of internationally renowned corporate photographers. They obviously have gone around the world taking photos for some amazing brands and whenever they deliver and have delivered their stuff, it's always been just remarkably organized. File names have always been airtight. Metadata has been airtight and brands began noticing that and saying, look, we've hired a couple of you know contractors over the past to take photos for us and freelancers, but we can always find y'all's work because of how much effort you guys put into organizing things and making sure we can find it. That turned into some brands asking them, to come look at their dams and help organize things. And then suddenly they realize those are potentially pretty interesting opportunity on the horizon, obviously not in the technology side, but on the kind of professional services consulting side. I'd been working in the startup space at that point, as you mentioned, for several years, initially on content creation uh, on this in a user-generated football site, and then also developing product and building this fantasy football game. I ended up joining Stacks really to lead growth and then also to kind of manage a little bit of strategy as well. I think anytime people start a business, it can be at times you think to yourself, we just need to grow as fast as possible and have more bodies, you know, more bodies, and that's more impressive. And I think when you're in the trenches in a startup, you realize like small teams that are lean and mean can actually produce quite a bit. So uh, I've kind of come in and helped this, I suppose, scale in an intelligent, strategic way. And that actually led me to the conversation with Martin and Dash and seeing how we can potentially work in partnerships and whatnot.
0: Yeah, so just bringing it back to to football before we go deep into Dam. So obviously we've mentioned you played for Arsenal and then retired in 2006. And I'm just really interested in terms of like the imagery that you were using kind of back then. At the time, social media wasn't really around. So how did you get hold of those professional shots? And was that even something that you were really considering as a player or a club?
1: It wasn't really. And it's changed dramatically. And even for footballers now are really celebrities and athletes that kind of rise to fame quite quickly and then have to deal and cope with the social following that comes with it. And a lot of, you know, footballers, you might make your debut when you're 17 or 18 years old and have 1000 Twitter followers and a couple thousand Instagram followers and then suddenly you're just thrust onto the world stage and you have, you know, half a million followers overnight, which is pretty wild. None of that existed in 2003 to, you know, 2007 when I was playing. I did hilariously. I've I've always loved tech. My brother's a software engineer. He bought me the URL Danny us a long time ago so oh, this, cool. like, this was before like wordpress was as easy as it was to create blogs and just like publish content so i i like made a website and started kind of just Posting my own my own blog and, and the most
0: like techie footballer ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it got me in trouble at, at Burnley because I said I was really bored in the hotel but at least and I had no idea and I said at least when I just moved there I said there's like cities around me like Blackburn and Manchester and I didn't even know that Burnley and Blackburn at the time were it's a huge huge rivalry <laughs> it was a massive derby so uh that was in in the papers the next day so my blog was sadly <laughs> shut down quite early but yeah so for, for that like, I, there was a club photographer and I, I know the The club photographer at Arsenal quite well. And I got to know the club photographer at at Burnley. And I went on loan to Ipswich as well and got to know him as well. But, you know, they would share the photos with you if you wanted them, but there was no real outlet to, not that you didn't want your photos, but there was no real outlet to get them.
0: How would they share them?
1: Generally, they would just like they'd give you a CD
0: with, <laughs> Amazing. with the, with,
1: with, the uh, with the files on it. When I I think when I left Arsenal, the photographer actually just gave me a CD and said, here you go, Danny. And then in the future, they began obviously like emailing them and whatnot as well. But it was great. I'm glad I have those photos, but they're on like a CD back home. And now I've obviously uploaded on my computer and then they're backed up in like Google Drive and whatnot. Yeah, there, was, it, there wasn't a real need, I suppose, to get the content out because for the most part I think people when they wanted to get information on what happened in a match they would just go to Sky Sports or BBC to read the match report and then that was you know that was it whereas now people get on Twitter people get on Facebook Instagram to quickly get recaps of the matches so it's, it's changed a lot.
0: In terms of like social media are you glad that when you were playing are you glad there wasn't social media do you think that would have affected you as a player like is that's something that players now have to deal with isn't it like mm-hmm. that really quick analysis of the game by you know just people on Twitter.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean it's an, definitely an interesting psychological component to the game now, especially if you know everybody's on these platforms. If you're growing a social following, kind of in parallel to your football career, then you're obviously more valuable as well. The agent can just say, like, go to brands and say, "Hey, look, like my player has a million, you know, followers on Instagram, and he's growing, and he's only 18 years old. Like, we can mm-hmm. we can sell this and make even more money." So I think like people see, see it as a huge opportunity, but with, with that opportunity also comes the fact that careers, obviously any profession is difficult, but in, when you're in the spotlight in professional sports in particular, it's very public. People will have a bad game and then you just don't want to sign on to Twitter or don't want to get on Instagram. Even when I was, when I was scouting full-time at Arsenal, if, if Arsenal would have a bad game or we'd lose a couple games in a row or something, I I would get abused saying, people were saying like, what are our scouts doing? I they mention me and say useless like he's been in north america for x amount of years and he's only signed these players like so never mind the actual players that are on the pitch Uh, i can't imagine what their mentions look like on a day where things don't go their way and then when days do go your way is like amazing because it's just like the most validating thing ever you get online and everybody thinks you're a hero so it is interesting though it's it's definitely you have to be mentally tough in order to deal with it
0: yeah it's a huge distraction i i almost feel like you may be lucked out a little bit without having that
1: (laughs) yeah i was hoping my blog would blow up but it blew up in the Wrong way, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got shut down. <laughs> so obviously, you just said that you uh, you were working as a football scout. So one of the benefits of DAM is that obviously it can allow photographers to upload and share images really quickly. So I guess you still have your sort of like finger in a pie in terms of the football world. And do you think that it's an important piece of Martech for sports clubs to have set up? And do you actively go after them as clients?
1: I think it is really important, and that's because as I mentioned, the way. People- people watch sport now has changed dramatically from, you know, 10 years ago, even most people are watching a football match play out on the television while they're looking at their phone or on their iPad, also reading Twitter to see how potentially they should feel about how the game is going or how performances are going or having some form of second screen solution happening or uh, experience happening. That's really interesting. And it also means the club's Generally, that are generating this content, to also be the first to market when it comes to publishing photos of great moments in a game. Or if, if, you know, for example, at Arsenal, if Aubameyang scores a goal, Arsenal would love to own that moment and put that image out first. It gets retweeted a lot, it gets shared a lot, commented a lot. Obviously, it goes straight to the top because of the algorithm and whatnot. So, I think like that side of thing has just changed how how clubs and and you know as we call them, teams in America, but how teams and clubs manage their assets and ensure that their teams are utilizing them the, the most efficient and best way possible. And that, the same is said, you know, after a game, and, and I'm sure you were going to hit on this, but the idea of club photographers or dam managers potentially getting content out to the players quite quickly after a game, so they have kind of a suite of photos that they can choose from to put up onto their Instagram or onto their Twitter right away from the best moments. This is also like, you'll notice even when when teams lose now, they'll still put photos up because you have to own the good side and the bad side. You can't just hide when your team loses. So you'll see players even when, when a team loses, they'll still post... And it'll say, you know, hard fought battle. It might be a photo of them tackling somebody, for example, but like, you know, onto the next one, like focuses on the next game now. But like, those are all coming from a back-end process of, you know, the photographer, the damn manager quickly getting the assets out to the appropriate people. So they have the right things to share and the right story to tell because, you know, at the end of the day, Arsenal or whatever club wants to own, you know, they want to own the story of what happened in the game and they can do with, with some pretty awesome visuals if they do it right.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that way they are a bit more in control of the narrative. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if, yeah, if they put out an amazing image and then their take on that tackle or something, then maybe that's more likely to get picked up by the media rather than them having to like kind of hunt for that and tell their own story. So I think in terms of like, yeah, being able to share your images and own your narrative is, is probably like a really useful tool to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's It's really powerful. And then obviously with that comes, I guess, all the workflow and process, not issues, but the th- things that you have to think about in order to organize, you know, we, we've worked with a variety of NFL teams at this point now. And to answer your previous question, like, is it interesting for us to approach teams? And it is because a lot of them face the same problems in terms of, you know, potentially hiring out a team of freelancers, you know, seven, eight, nine potential freelancers on any given match day or game day. They're taking all the photos. They need to have a process for culling the right photos, getting the, the best shots into the editor, the dam manager, the lead photographer, which is the case most of the time. Having them quickly ensure that the the assets are right, that they want it, like the assets they want to go out are right, and then turning them around because no, like they have to go out quite quickly. Nobody wants to say like, okay, we'll wait. You know, we'll wait a day for the right photos to come out from the game that happened, you know, during a game pictures are coming out, you know, photographers are just beaming them up as they're taking them basically if a goal is scored, for example, they hit Twitter within a minute of the goal happening right so there's a lot of workflows and processes that are in place and then obviously kind of after the game there's that cool down period where now we have a lot of assets from the game, and they're going to go into the archive. But they need to be tagged appropriately. They need to. Mm-hmm. They, there needs to be a bunch of metadata applied to them to ensure that we can find them. You know, at a later time. So the next time we play this team, it's easy for us to find the appropriate photos to to build up this game to say like last time out we beat so and so two one from goals from so and so and so and so and quickly bring up the photos basically. So yeah, I think like never mind just the match day, just like processes that are around the entire ecosystem have developed massively over the years.
0: And is it video as well? What else are they uploading to their dams?
1: Yeah, the, the, and the video. I think the video stuff in sports teams is super interesting. And it's also a completely kind of different. I don't want to say a completely different team that's doing it, but
0: it's
1: a completely different ball game. <laughs> <laughs> When you have kind of live streams coming uh, and I have visited the, kind of the production area at Arsenal where this is all happening, but they have all the live feeds to, you know, BT, to the BBC, to Sky and all this, and the games are coming in. There's teams editing live live stuff to quickly cut it and then get it out, you know, because th- the clubs will also post potentially post content either during the match or after the match for certain events if a goal is scored or whatnot. So yeah, that, that side is really interesting. And then another piece to think about is when they do content, you know, internally for their supporters, all, all these clubs are international now. So when you're interviewing, for example, Let's say a player has just signed from Spain and doesn't speak English yet. He gives the interview in Spanish. You need to be able to quickly edit and put subtitles on it, cut it, copy it, and then of course, save it and be able to find it at a later date and time easily, basically. So yeah, it's-
0: It's a lot of content. There's
1: a lot of content. Yeah. Lots of content being generated. And they're huge files because they're all you know incredible quality now, right? So the stuff that's getting streamed in is definitely massive. So yeah, it makes for a very interesting ecosystem kind of behind the scenes of the 11v11 that's happening on the pitch.
0: You mentioned earlier that you got in touch with our CEO through working, was it with Dash, which is one of our products. So we were interested just as a fellow kind of SaaS professional and a a tech head. We use um, AI technology. We've got facial recognition. What sort of things do you think would be most useful for sports worlds? Do you think things like facial recognition or the tagging, like where are the areas that you think would be like most utilized? Because obviously you work with quite a lot of sports clients
1: facial recognition has obviously streamlined things exponentially over the years. You know, if you can upload the the constant and then just say, go find everything that looks like this, then it's it's awesome. Sometimes with sports, like, you know, in, in American football, you can't use faces because they're all wearing helmets. So you can't use that to identify the player. You know, you can use tools, different AI tools where you can identify numbers and then you can upload kind of a roster and say, if they're wearing this number, then this is the player's name. So tag it with this. Obviously, there needs to be some form of logic around that as well, because they might be wearing a home or a way jersey. And if the other jersey is the same, then they might not, you know, might tag it wrong. I think a lot of teams will go in saying, great, we can use these awesome AI tools. And I think they're great to an extent. And then we come in and help with the human touch to ensure that everything the AI is doing, for example, makes sense. Also, like sometimes the best photo is taken and there's no number and no face because just the way they're turned or the way the way the photo was taken basically, but that's the photo and it might not get tagged, for example, with AI. But that's where where we kind of come in. We like to, I think initially when we entered the market, we were like, oh, you know, AI is so far, not behind, but there's so much work that needs to happen with AI. Now we like saying, how can we work alongside AI to supercharge your assets basically? And yeah, the, I I think from what I've seen, I got a, an awesome demo with, with Martin initially. And I think one of the most important things outside of like the really cool kind of tech features in terms of like AI and machine learning and building different models that detect different things is simple UIs and extremely intuitive UXs that make finding stuff just easy. There are more and more companies that are hiring experienced dam managers that know how to navigate dams and find the stuff they need. But there's also a lot of companies, especially now because of the pandemic, where people have kind of just been forced to organize their assets and find things without knowing even where to start, where teams don't have dam managers, where they're just creatives. And when you have a creative that's looking for something, it has to be incredibly intuitive of easy to find and thoughtless basically when you're trying to find something. So I think Dash does a wonderful wonderful job of that and I've told Martin multiple times that the product they've built is is nice, it's easy on the eyes and it's easy to use.
0: Yeah, it is. And does does the thought of using like Google Drive and Dropbox just fill you with <laughs> dread and horror now?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's funny we, a lot of the a lot of the inbounds we do get are businesses that are transitioning off those tools and I mean you guys would know because you work in this space and I'm sure you guys probably get the same inbounds that we do. It be you know we our whole company our team of 50 are operating off of our ceo's dropbox and we need to get off of that because you no know, we don't know where anything <laughs> is we don't see thumbnails there's a lot of people out there that are using that so getting onto a dam that's easy to use is it definitely saves a lot of time and, and makes your life a lot easier
0: yeah 100 with any large corporation sports teams there's always this risk of copyrighted images being used without consent especially by the press and over social media how do you think this affects the footballing world And do you think that's something that could be better managed? And is that something where, again, a dam can come in?
1: I do, yeah. I mean, I guess there's different workflows. You know, some clubs will just upload immediately, for example, to Getty. Mm. The press and the media can go directly to Getty and then buy the images off there. And then there's, you know, the the commission will go back to, for example, back to Arsenal. From our experience and working with dams, obviously like the, the the benefit of working with a dam is being able to like set copyright expiries, set different things, permissions, like permission stuff out, make portals that only certain people can access. I think that just immediately streamlines everything to ensure that people aren't using stuff that they shouldn't be using. Where we kind of fit in is we help with that education side as well. Of companies don't, brands don't understand how to set up permissions, for example, or, you know, who should have access to what and how you can set up different things. So media can access this, but your interns can't, stuff like that. But also at the end of the day, ensuring that all the stuff can be found. And that's where we kind of help in terms of like tagging services and teaching, teaching brands about taxonomy, metadata, their keywords, all these things. So I think it is a, it is a process, like a multi-layered process of people understanding how to actually use the dam and then learning about permissions and copyrights and, and all those pieces as well.
0: Because the fines can be massive, can't they? And I think we did some research back in January where we asked different marketers how many people are actually using or kind of understood the ramifications of using uncopyrighted images or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And there was like 50% of people were just a bit like blase about it. I'm assuming with, you know, big clubs like Arsenal or, you know, going through Getty. And if you use their images in, in the wrong way, it's like, it's really, you know, you're really setting yourself up for a massive fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, there's also for for big organizations, even like you know, like Arsenal or other big clubs. Like, there's so many kind of sponsorship deals at different levels as well. So, if you're an NBA team, for example, and you're sponsored by Gatorade, you don't want to post a photo of one of your players drinking a Lucozade, for example. <laughs> like, you know, you can get in trouble like from sponsors yeah. as well because they're paying good money to have your players drink Gatorade. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of those kind of a lot of those pieces. We, we're working with several big clients now where the copyright stuff is so in your favor Face and the emails that let you know that assets have you can't use them anymore basically is so in your face that uh, which makes sense because I, I imagine they've gotten in trouble at some point
0: yeah do you feel like one day there's going to be like AI so that they recognize the Gatorade and they can be like yeah no, I mean I think I think there's like embargo um, them. <laughs> I mean there's technology
1: out there already that's doing brand detection stuff like that basically and if you train a model well enough to say look for this in any asset and if it pops up you can just put it into a folder that says don't let people share this basically it might not get it right all the time, but at least you'd rather be safe than sorry, especially in these situations, where, as you mentioned, the fines can be absolutely
0: enormous. Oh, terrifying. So if anyone's interested, obviously, in finding a bit more about what you do at Stacks and connecting with you, because obviously the service you're providing, is really helping kind of elevate this damn game and and getting people used to how to use them. What's the best way to go about it?
1: Yeah. So our website is stacksteam.com, S-T-A-C-K-S team.com. That's honestly the best way if you want to email us and get in touch with us, feel free. Hello at stacksteam.com. We'll get it straight to us. And one of, one of our team members will get in touch with you and figure out what the next step is. If you want to engage with me directly, which is sometimes. Just a
0: Google
1: lot you. Of, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on, yeah, I'm on a lot of photos. Uh, dodgy
0: uh, old photos like I did.
1: <laughs> all the social at dcarves, you'll You'll find me. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Danny. It's been really interesting to have you on and and talk about Dam in in a bit of a different way, really, and uh, sort of be able to apply it to, you know, to the sports world. It's been really interesting. So thank you so much for coming in.
1: No, thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Thanks for listening to the Big Bright Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and check out our website at builtbybright.com.